Brothers and sisters, I announce to you a great joy. We have a champion. Folks, this is the Ivy League Hoops Hour, where we cover all things men's basketball in the ancient eight. We are your hub, your go-to, your day one. But not really, though. I'm your co-host, Coach Sidney Johnson, former head coach of the Princeton Tigers from 2007 to 2011, and former three-time captain of the Tigers in 95, 96, and 97. Yes, we've been on a little bit of a break, but you know we've been tracking these games. And when I say we, I got my two co-hosts with me. First, Princeton alum and former Princeton graduate assistant coach Lawrence L. Boogie Schuler. Lawrence, how you making out? Doing great, coach. How about you? I'm doing terrific, and uh, we are one man up. All right, all season long, we've had the one and only creator and writer of PrincetonBasketball.com, the one and only all-timer, J.S. John Solomon. John, how are you making out? Oh, is it Saturday yet? I'm ready. We certainly are. All three of us can't wait for Ivy Madness. It is finally here. We've had some big games along the way. And yes, we've taken a break, but we are here to talk Ivy Madness and the top four, right? All right. We've got Princeton. We've got Penn. We've got Yale facing off against Cornell, and it's all going to be on ESPN. We know you'll be watching. Uh, We are excited to talk about these games coming up. And as always, we invite you to email us if you want us to cover any topics that we leave out, any teams, any trends, the whole deal. Write to us at ivyleaguehoopshour at gmail.com. As always, we promise to get your feedback into the show. Without further ado, though, let's get into talking about Ivy Madness. It's finally here, folks. So a week ago at this time, I was convinced that Penn and Princeton were going to split their next two meetings yeah me too i thought thought Penn was gonna get them in the regular season at jadwin and it sure looked like they were gonna for most of saturday afternoon and then i thought the tigers would win the third matchup now that the tigers have taken the first two and we, we in the way that they did it where Penn looked so loose and so in control for the first 20 minutes of that ball game. I uh, I don't I don't think a I don't think a split is what we're looking at over these two games. I think again Princeton just just has Penn's number. I mean the Quakers went from looking as loose and as comfortable as a team can be to a bit tight the final 15 minutes at Jadwin. John does do the Quakers have a player on the roster who's beaten Princeton? Well, they've lost eight straight, so it seems unless they got some six-year guys sitting around. I mean, well, let me—that's that's a good question. Um, I mean, and, and while you're doing that, I just that that just came to mind. Um, I, you know that that's a tough 
pill to swallow. Great, great teams find a way. They rewrite history. So nothing to take away from the Quakers. But, you know, when you haven't done it, um, there's not only just the the opponent that you're dealing with. They're going to have to beat a, a hungry Princeton team on their own floor in the semis. But then the, the added hurdle or burden of uh, just not having accomplished that at all. You know, no one in that huddle uh, with a jersey on has had the experience in knocking off the Tigers. I, I just, I don't know if that's happening, to be honest. I, I, I heavily favor Princeton. John, where do you come out on the, uh, do we have any Quakers who've, um, who've beaten Princeton? Sure doesn't look like it because Penn's last win over Princeton came all the way back in February of 2018. Mm, yeah. yeah. So, so unless A.J. Brodeur has a ninth year of eligibility, we don't know about. <laughs> um, uh, and and, and you, were, you, were, you were talking about rebounding. I know we're kind of going all over the place, but. I thought one of the biggest keys to Princeton's comeback was their freshman, Caden Pierce. Yeah. And he, not single-handedly, but by my count, he had five offensive rebounds in the second half, three that he got his hands on, two that he tipped out to other players. And I'm not 100% he's the rookie of the year in the league, but there are so many important things he does that I am not sure people notice, but I have a feeling the other coaches in the league notice his contributions. How is he? Uh, give me some names because we're talking about a young guy. Give me some other considerations because we're talking about a young guy who's helped Princeton win games to the tune of sharing uh, the conference championship. And to me, as we ought to consider winning and pushing your team forward in a player of the year consideration, the same should hold true with, you know, rookie of the year, defensive player of the year, in my humble opinion. And, you know, I remember coaching Ian Hummer and uh, his freshman year, wonderful player. And I remember after his freshman year and uh, for for much of the year, I I believe I, I was bringing him off the bench. Um, shows you how smart I am. Um, but he was a key player in our rotation. We had a good year. But somebody came up to me uh, that summer following his freshman year and said, yeah, that Hummer kid, he's, he was just so-so for you, right? Um, and I won't name any names. And, and I turned to him and I said, listen, I said, he's a freshman and he actually li- literally helped us win games. I remember we went to St. Joe's and we basically fed him four or five times in a row to uh, ice the game down the stretch. When you're a first year player and you're in the mix and you're actually helping your team win, that is so freaking hard to make that jump from high school to uh, college. And so my filibuster on behalf of Caden Pierce is ended. <laughs> I think he is a rookie of the year, uh, but I'm, I'm wide open to hear any other uh, considerations from you guys. Who else would we even consider if not the young fellow Pierce from Princeton. I can't think of another player off the top of my head that just has the same sort of knack that he has for just going up and getting that basketball. Like, it's unbelievable. He he gets in the right position. He comes from out of nowhere to get balls. He has no business getting a hand on. 
And then the confidence with that ability, like he, he was much more aggressive as a scorer down the stretch of that game into overtime. And I think that's a, that's a scary thing. Cause if he gets going offensively, it opens up all sorts of other things for the Tigers. So I'm, I'm not answering your question, but let's put it this way. Uh, game that Harvard had to have to keep any chance of their Ivy playoff hopes alive against Princeton last Saturday. Oak Parra played 16 minutes, no field goal attempts, no points. Caden in that same game? 36 minutes, nine points, eight rebounds. Yeah, that'll do. All right, enough said. Follow that, that up with 17 and 10 against Penn. <laughs> yeah. Six and yeah. seven against Yale, nine and nine against Brown. I mean, I think this, you know, because of some of the players that are around him, Tosan in particular, he's quietly doing winning things and no more so than in those final 25 minutes at Jadwin on Saturday. I really don't think they win without his performance in the second half. There's another game going on, and that is the other co-champ, the Yale Bulldogs, coached by James Jones, against uh, a friend of the show. I think we can all say that. Uh, Brian Earl and his Cornell Big Red. I'm thinking a, a strong favorite uh, would be Yale. I'm thinking this is going to be a tough ask for the Cornell Big Red to come in and, and knock them off. I'm, I'm very much seeing a Yale-Princeton final. Is there any possible reason to think otherwise? Uh, can Cornell make this? Uh, I mean, that it, it, that would be a, a monster, monster upset. Uh, if they were even to get to the finals, is that remotely possible? I think it's possible because Cornell still has the best offense in the league by a considerable margin. Looking at the analytics, the problem, of course, is they also have either the worst or the second worst defense in the league. So if they can they can get into a track meet with the Bulldogs. It might be a possibility. Don't know what Matt Noling's possible status is. Is he going to make his return to Yale for the Ivy tournament? And speaking of Yale, and maybe this is an aside, and maybe neither of you know, after Yale won at Brown on Saturday, did they cut down the nets? Or was it only Princeton who cut down the nets after yeah. the Ivy title? I you wondered read, about that. Yeah, you're reading my... my... You read my mind, John. I, I I saw photos of Princeton, and uh, you know, uh, I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. I wish I did to add more, but I have to tell you that I was, you know, I was just kind of percolating in my mind. Listen, you win the regular season championship. It's it's a big deal, okay? And uh, you know, a lot of these kids, you know, they don't they don't. You know, we're, we're going to see championship after championship after championship, whereas these young men and women, that you know, they really only have four years to go through this. But uh, I just wondered that myself. 
you know, there, there's still work to be done, right? I mean, am I, am I being too old school here? There's still work to be done. So, you know, there's, there's two more games before the net that we really want to cut down is going to come our way. Um, is that, is that kind of what you're getting at? That's not kind of what I was getting at. That was completely what I was getting at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, from your lens, speak on it. It sort of all depends what happens this weekend. Right. If Yale didn't cut down the nets, that says to me that they're thinking more about the business they still have to complete. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, if they're on the road, I don't think Brown's going to let them just pull out the ladder for that. And there's, I think you'd feel a little ridiculous showing up to an empty gym the next day and <laughs> cut down, cut down are, the nets with no one around. There are Ivy schools that have done that, if memory serves. There is a, there is a precedent, Lawrence. There is a precedent. <laughs> don't don't tell me you cut down the net at an empty gym. No, no, no. The school we're currently discussing, if if I'm not mistaken, uh, Yale won a share of an Ivy League title on the road and came to their home gym. They drove back uh, that evening and came to their home gym and broke out a ladder and did a impromptu net cutting ceremony. Uh, in an empty gym. That's uh, that's a fact. Right. Okay, people, you have to tell me these things, all right? I've been frozen for 30 years, okay? Throw me a freaking bone here. With no Matt Noling, impressed not only that Yale won at Brown in front of a sellout in Providence, but the, the, the way they won, just again, taking care of business, keeping the Bears at bay. Ben Embang came to life in that game. He's a, he's a little bit of a mercurial player to me. It just seems like sometimes you forget he's out there, and then you really remember that he's out there when he gets going. But he had a very nice game for the Bulldogs, and they knew the the situation that was ahead of them. You know, with with the luxury of Penn and Princeton having already played in the afternoon, Yale knew everything. That was in front of them and in a fashion that we've we've seen from James Jones's teams the last handful of years, they took care of business. Well, two things there. I'd say, yes, they definitely took care of business. I think there's more pressure, in my humble opinion, when you know you have to win in order to, you know, share that. Um, not not that they didn't want it. They were going there to win anyway. So, I, you know, but I, I just think, hey, like. Uh, okay, they did their thing. Now, now we've got to match that, and um, they certainly did. And then, as uh, as I think about you know answering my own question, I, I just think that that James and and the Yale program has hung their hats on defense, and three very good teams, very good programs, Princeton, Penn, and Cornell, really embrace a, a wonderful offensive style of play. And as of late, defense has won out. And that's all going to come to a head once again this weekend. I think first, obviously, in that first game, you know, I still think Yale's, Yale's got the advantage. And then regardless as to who comes out of that, that historic uh, rivalry there, whether it's Princeton, whether it's um, Penn, 
they're looking to score more. And Yale's saying, listen, we're going to punch you in the mouth and lock you down and then get on just enough points to win the game. Um, they did drop 84 on Brown, but the rest of the league has to figure out either how to score more points uh, against an outstanding defensive crew in a, in a program that hangs their hat on it, or they have to shift some and, and say, um, uh, we're going to harden up and, and, and toughen up ourselves to match what Yale brings to the table. Now, some people say, hey, you just got to be true to yourself and you know embrace how you want to play. I guess all I'm just saying is, but if it ain't working, don't you have to try to tweak things? And, and that's what I'm interested to see again. I'm banking on Yale getting through, and then whether it's Princeton or, or Penn, it's like I'm just trying to, like, do, can you throw something defensively at Yale that kind of makes them unsure themselves, and then maybe they defend a little worse and, you know, something. Something's got to give to try to be a little bit different, if not better, for either of the killer peas to get past Yale. So I didn't watch the end of the Yale Brown game, but friend of the podcast, Stephen Goldsmith, texted me an idea that I guess the announcers in that game bandied about that I want to run past both of you. So after this year's Ivy tournament, I don't believe any announcements have been made about where the tournament will be held in the future. And these announcers threw out the idea Whoever wins the Ivy tournament hosts the next year's tournament. What do you think about that? I kind of like it. I love more the idea of not having a tournament. Well, sure. Um, yeah. Obviously, I, you know, I'm always going to vote for favoring the winners in, 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 in these things. And, and, you know, winning counts. Uh, so that's a perfect way to, to credit the winning basketball team. But should that apply to the next year? Um, let me think about that one, Lawrence. What, what, what's your what's your initial take on that? I think it's a lemon of an idea. Looks great on the outside, but underneath, no. I'm going to give you a hard no. The answer to the question you just asked is a hard no. And and why? Why? I see no reason whatsoever that last year's results should somehow influence this year's competition. Okay, so I agree with the sentiment, you know, why does last year, why, why is that carrying over to this year's competition? So, you know, 23-24. But given the, given the options that we're dealing with, where it's just kind of random and just bounces from one school to the next, like, should we then just have a random round robin? Like it should just go through every spot in the league and just kind of continue to cycle through? Or is something like awarding winning a better idea? So I, I guess what I'm saying is just like comparing it to the alternatives. And I'm thinking, well, I kind of like, like the idea of rewarding winning Versus just like, oh, okay, now it's Dartmouth's turn. Okay, now it's Cornell's turn. Now it's Princeton's turn. Like, I don't know if that's any uh, uh, sexier or, or any better than what we're doing uh, than, than this idea. 
we already reward winning. If you win the league, you get the money and you go to the tournament and you play Fair. in the big game. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let me let me ask you both two questions then. Where is the Ivy League tournament played next year and how many teams are in it? Well, I I thought we were already dead set on on four. I I, I don't endorse um I don't well, think not, everybody I'm, I'm, I'm not saying what do you endorse. I'm saying how many teams do you think are going to be in it next year? How many do I think or how many should? How many, how many, not how many should, but how many do you think are going to be in it next I year? I think they're going to open the whole thing up. I yeah, think so they're going to have, why. yeah, I think they're going to have all eight teams in. I don't know why. Um, you're going to expose, obviously, your top seed. but So, so this year you're going to expose Yale or Princeton uh, to potentially having a hiccup. I know we can all say, oh, well, if they're good enough, they should win the game. This is college basketball, folks. Anybody can win one game. Like this time of year, you know, we already, we talked about it earlier in the show in terms of nerves, anxiety, thing, the mental part of it. Anyone, I mean, and, and I'm not saying anything that's controversial at all. It's called March Madness. I mean, come on. So please, Let's all just acknowledge college basketball, men's and women's, any flipping team can beat one team because they have nothing to lose. You know, the pressure is all on the big dogs, this, that, and the other. And so, as I'll stop myself, so if you want the best for your league, which I will never get off of, you want the best teams in your league, especially when you're dealing with a one big lead with the Ivy league is almost perennially going to be, you want to protect those teams that have proven themselves over, you know, that, that 14 game gauntlet. So I just do not endorse opening the whole thing up, exposing like this year, it would be exposing Princeton or Yale to possibly getting tripped up. Uh, and now we're blessed with a, you know, a, a 10 and 20 team playing in the semifinals. I don't think the league wins ultimately, because at the end of the day, if you really love Ivy basketball, like we do, you want Princeton, Penn or Yale to not only get to the tournament, but to beat someone. And I just don't see that happening time and time again, uh, from a single bid league if you open your conference tournament up to everybody because somebody's going to get upset before they even have the chance to get to the dance. For everyone that uses the argument, every other conference has a conference tournament. Why not the Ivy League? I just gently point out that most people only watch about five or six conference tournaments. (laughs) I defy anybody to tell me who's in the SWAC tournament. <laughs> right. What's the format? Who's in? How many teams? Right. And yeah, point so being, if you if you are determined to see the outcome that you want, if you've already convinced yourself that that's a good idea, then everyone having a conference tournament seems like a good idea. But big picture, there's a lot of teams that you don't care about, and a lot of conferences you have no idea who plays in them, and. If you want to risk turning the Ivy League into one of them, you've chosen the path for it. I've got a second round game of the Southland Conference Tournament going right now, and the arena is practically empty. 
We are all over the place today, and I love it. So I think if I had to choose between playing a four-team tournament on the floor of the team that won the prior year versus all eight teams playing in Philadelphia every year or continuing to rotate the conference tournament equitably where it ends up eventually in Hanover at Columbia, I think this outside-the-box idea might be the best of three bad choices. I'm I'm leaning that way too, John. Again, just knowing that there's bad choices, I wouldn't change a word you said. I have a couple quick hitters just because uh, things that we didn't touch upon recently that are worth acknowledging. Mike yeah. Martin, now the winningest coach in Brown history. James Jones, second ever to get to 200 Ivy wins. You know, we already talked about Cornell taking care of Columbia. They get in to the Ivy tournament. They needed to win and Brown to lose, and both things happened. So hats off to Brian Earl and company. And my Dartmouth Big Green. Harvard last game of the season and can only wonder what could have been if not for those two overtime losses. What if I had gone to Dartmouth? If I had gone to Dartmouth, I might have spent at least some of my college years outside, and today I might not be allergic to all plant life as well as most types of rock. If I had gone to Dartmouth, I still wouldn't know the second verse to dear old Dartmouth. Face it, none of you do. You all mumble that part. Today's episode is brought to you by the number 19, because in their last three games, Princeton lost to Yale in overtime at home after leading by 19 in the second half, nearly squandered a 19-point second-half lead at Harvard due to only two field goals over the final 12:54, which both were high-difficulty buckets by Xavier Lee, each just barely beating the shot clock, and then last Saturday came from 19 down to beat Penn at home, holding the nation's second-leading scorer, Jordan Dingle, to a lone field goal in the final 20 minutes of regulation and overtime. Dingle started 9 for 14 from the field, then missed his final 10 shots. John, does this mean if the Quakers go up 20, they're guaranteed to win the basketball game? If the Quakers go up 20 on Saturday, they are going to win that basketball game, yes. All right. You heard it here first, folks. I don't think the Quakers are going up 20 on Saturday. No, I don't think do. so either. It's going to be a really interesting first eight minutes. Yeah. See where both both teams' heads are at. And I'm going to go the other way. I'm, I'm going to say that's not a game until halftime because – one thing that I've seen from Princeton, which has potential championship written all over it, allowing for they they still got to deal with uh, you know their kryptonite in terms of Yale, but Princeton is a team that has gotten down at home, and they can weather the storm. They don't get rattled. They have that what appears to be championship DNA. We're okay. We got this. Let's make some adjustments. Let's, 
So I don't think that that's a game. And now these two teams and their, you know, the proximity, again, the rivalry. You're also talking about two coaches who know each other very well, uh, Steve Donahue and Mitch Henderson. I don't actually think this is a game until halftime, regardless as to the score. I think the first eight minutes of the second half is actually what's going to be something to dissect. So we'll see. Ivy player of the year. Who's your pick? I'm going to go with Jordan Dingle. Um, I had my eye on Yale. I had my eye on, on Princeton. Tosan's been a little bit different. He's he's obviously been really, really good. I'm a big fan of Matt Noling. Uh, I, I think just, you know, not playing as many games as his peers. Um, and I just think Jordan has been individually brilliant. Um, Penn was absolutely on fire during league play. And uh, there's no shame in being the, the three seed in terms of how well they played. So I, I just think uh, good player, good team, Jordan Dingle. Yeah, I had almost finished chiseling Dingle's name onto the trophy plaque halfway through the game at Jadwin. Even with that result notwithstanding, I think he's going to be the player of the year. But it would not shock me if there was some sort of cop-out co-players of the year between he and Tosan. I, w- I, w- I won't be shocked if they announce co-players of the year. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. And I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be against that. But my vote, again, I think Jordan. How about you, Lawrence? For me, Jordan Tangle, without question. About a year ago at this time, Vince Curran called it. He said he thought... It would be Tosan last year and Dingle this year. It's time for predictions. Predictions, Pat. First, we've got semifinal number one, Yale and Cornell. Who doesn't love a little late morning basketball on ESPN? Uh, James Jones has done a wonderful job. And um, listen, they had a couple bumps uh, early on in conference play. Cornell's been good. Brian's done a terrific job once again. uh, But I think Cornell's season ends and uh, Yale gets themselves to the final. You could make a case that in a roundabout way, James Jones is this year's Ivy League Coach of the Year. Indeed. And Yale will be playing in the finals on Sunday once again. I know all three of us want to root for Brian Earl and Cornell, but I'm afraid Cornell looks like they've just run out of gas. I've got Yale by eight. Semifinal number two, Princeton and Penn. Princeton, Princeton, and and more Princeton. I don't think they waste this opportunity at all. Uh, I actually think they're the better team. John's gone on record uh, a number of times to let us know about that, that dominance that they've had on the Quakers, and I don't think it, it ends in the semifinals, Princeton gets themselves through to the championship game. Yeah, no disagreement from me here on that game. I don't think this game is going to be as ugly as the first meeting. And I have a weird feeling this game isn't going to be as close as the second meeting was either. I think we'll have a close game, but 
I think Princeton wins another one. That gives us a Yale-Princeton final. Who you got? I'm going to go out on a limb. I just, I don't know. I just, I think this story has got to end somehow, some way. And the only way to do it is is maybe on your home floor. John has also helped us uh, appreciate, recognize how, how terrific Yale has been against Princeton over the years. But I think on your home floor, I just think somehow, some way, Princeton's going to find their way through. I, de- I think they desperately need a good crowd. You know, I know midterm, this is midterm week at Princeton. So hopefully folks from the town come out. Um, I know Yale people. Um, I think they'll they'll get a smattering of folks to come through. So there should be a decent environment. But something tells me Tosan's going to, He's going to make enough plays and lead this team to the NCAA tournament uh, for the first time in a while. Yale's going back to the NCAA tournament. They did it once at Jadwin. They're doing it a second time at Jadwin. I, I just, guys, I just, I don't believe, I, I just, no, not, not, I'm not rooting against. I'm just, this has been a storyline. I think in sports, storylines end they get broken like and i just think this is the time this is not data this isn't research this is just this gut feeling like this storyline this dominance and it would truly be dominance if yale wins and for that reason i think princeton will end this there's um there's 50 spots in Pomeroy between Yale and Princeton. Right now? Yeah. Yale's at 71, Princeton's at 120. When you look at those two teams, and, and again, this is why analytics is absolutely critically important because sometimes because we miss things. The eye test fails. But I'm asking you guys, do you see 50, a 50 point or spot difference? between Yale and Princeton when they take the floor, I 1,000% do not. I can't believe I'm saying this. Princeton playing at home to get the NCAA tournament bid. I'm afraid the Tigers come up short. Yale wins. No, scratch that. There's no way I'm walking into the gym, looking people in the eye and saying Princeton's going to lose. We're going to win. We're going to win. Even with the tide of history flowing against them, I'm picking Princeton by two at the buzzer. Well, that'll just about do it, folks. As you've heard from John, you've heard from Lawrence, you've heard from yours truly, this is a labor of love, continues to be so in season one. Lawrence and I are absolutely thrilled that we've been able to bring on John who joins us week in and week out as much as we can get with you. And just know, folks, we want to hear from you. We are locked into these games just as much as you are. Uh, We haven't always taped a show every week, but don't think twice in terms of knowing uh, that we're writing to each other, texting and wanting to hear from you guys in terms of email. I know you guys are locked in on these games. So we encourage you to write to us at ivyleaguehoopshour at gmail.com to join the conversation Uh, In the meantime, we've got some big games, the biggest games of the year in Jadwin Gym as Princeton faces off against Penn, Yale faces off against Cornell, and the winners link up 
to grab that NCAA tournament berth for 2023. Let's get it on. Can't wait. And of course, you'll have us breaking down the action and reaction to those games following up next week. All the best to you. Take care. like to lead you all in a little prayer. Huh? Come on. A prayer? What? Yes, a little Seriously? prayer. Come on, come on. Yeah. Oh, <clears throat> uh, Lord, hallowed be thy name. May our feet be swift. May our bats be mighty. May our balls be plentiful.